0: Hello and welcome to the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I am your host, Johnny Lou. You can find me on Twitter at saint 7 and also my personal Twitter at JohnLou13. Now, of course, it's the biggest game of the calendar year. It is the World Cup Challenge. Unfortunately, being a Ramblings of a Saint and being a St. Helens fan, we are not taking part this year. I know, it's a sad year. We should have been doing it four on the bounce, but because of COVID, we only got the two out of the four World Cup Challenge games, one against the Roosters, one against, of course, the Penrith Panthers. However, the Penrith, they've been on their own little roll. They've got a 3 They obviously played us last year. And I'm proud to say, and I'm happy to say, I am joined with Panthers fan and, well, host of his own podcast, which kind of went a little bit off skew last year due to personal reasons but uh hopefully it's back this year of the big cat chat podcast it is jack martin hello
1: thank you for having me glad to be here um hopefully we we recorded one of these on my podcast last year yeah we did so hopefully hopefully the fact that we're doing it on
0: your podcast means my fortune will reverse well Fingers crossed, and um, I hope so too, because of course, despite trying to be neutral on this podcast for you Wigan fans listening, I am of course a St. Ellen's fan at heart, so I of course hope that you lose, just like you guys probably hoped that we lost last year. <laughs> now, obviously the Penrith Panthers, they've had a bit of misfortune in this this series, 1991 they lost of course against Wigan 21-4 I believe and the only reason I know that is because Wigan have had a little sly little dig at Penrith this year in the special kit that they've done they've put a little square on the car on the shirt that has the score line the try scorers and all the match facts on it that must uh, must sting a little bit doesn't it Jack having a a club have a little sly dig at you.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that I'm used to my club doing to other do <laughs> so to be on the receiving end of it, it feels quite strange. And I really get why everyone hates us.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a. There's obviously Wigan at that time were an absolute superpower, and um, similar to how Penrith are now. Yeah, Wigan this year are obviously. Not, but they are still, of course, superpower, but they haven't had as much success as they did in them early 90s, late 80s period. So, hopefully, the momentum is with Penrith this week. However, they then went on in 2003 to play the Bradford Bulls and, of course, lost. Now, playing in it twice and losing is tough, and then playing it last year and having a team like St. Ellen's winning four on the bouncing super league, come over being absolutely wrote off over the, none of the press gave him a chance. Even I in our recording was like, look, as long as you don't get battered, I'll be happy. Um, yeah. which after, even after the St. George game that we played, I was still going like, yeah, but they're going to be a different outfit. Seeing last year, having the heartache and, all that going obviously 12 nil down and then fighting back to get to 12-all. It was a game that had a lot of emotions for both set of fans, I think. I think Penrith, Penrith wanted to win that, there is absolutely no doubt. And I think you could only see the scenes after that Lewis Dodd drop goal where Luai went comforting Crichton. And then, obviously, the scenes when they were all getting the medals of just absolute disheartened players. They'll be wanting revenge, won't they?
1: Oh, yeah. They're the biggest competitors in the NRL, and that's why they've been so successful over the last few years, is they play every single game like it's a grand final, and they play every minute of that game like it's the 80th. It was definitely an interesting one, the world Cup challenge last year yeah i definitely think they were giving it their all but i think subconsciously they bought into their own hype as well i think they underestimated st helens and they didn't show them enough respect and rather than them like you know not caring because it was very obvious that they cared um and i think that at the end of the day that's the one big regret that they've taken from last season. And you can see it with the team that's even been named. Well, that hasn't been named, has it? But, like, the squad that they've brought over, I doubt they're going to be... Yeah, I doubt they're going to be doing what they did last year where they rested Edwards, for instance, where they thought, like, we'll still name a really strong team, but, like, we want to prepare for the season. They're clearly like, no, this is part of the season. Like, we cannot underestimate these teams. They're better than you
0: think. Hmm. Well, they, they, they technically are, because he has said Luai will be fit for round one, but he he's mm. not taking the risk in this game, for instance. Now, whether that's an omen like last year with Edwards, where he was like, yeah, he'll be fit. He could probably play, but we're not going to risk him. Um, He's obviously travelled for his experience, and it's looking like uh, Cole will be playing six at the minute, Um, from what the press have kind of been covering. Is there anything that you want to kind of um tell some of our listeners who aren't familiar with the new south wales cup and the jersey flag leagues and all that um say how like how what what we can expect from a young six like cole who's only made i think one appearance one in a row where he played
1: center as well yeah um yeah jack cole is i don't want to overhype him and put too much pressure on him but I'm not on TV. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, he's a young Matt Burton. Okay. He, he is so much. So, that, like so does that mean is, he should be playing center? <laughs> he, I mean, I think he will be a center eventually. Um, he has that ability to just explode onto the ball. Yeah. And he is absolutely rapid. He has a – similar to Burton, he has a good kicking game and a good passing game. And he can set up play, but that's not his strength. I think his strength is his athleticism, similar to Matt Burton, where you go, yeah, he could do either. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised that he is reportedly going to be the 5 8 in this game. Yeah, I, I thought it would have been Laurie or Schneider. I thought Schneider, just for the experience of playing over in Super League. In the UK, yeah. And I thought Laurie would get the 14 spot. Um, But I'm really excited. By Jack Cole, um, he's just he's dangerous every time he's got the ball, and that's probably the best word for him is dangerous. Yeah, Very different player, much more direct than Lua.
0: All right, okay, so good, good running game then, and and using that yeah. strength that he can do, and yeah, we're going back to the the Schneider point is I thought he would be a really great um, partner for Cleary. Just because you've seen it in that last 20 minutes when Luai went off and Kobe came on in the grand final and Cleary kind of stepped up a gear. He was organising and, uh, well, he was more running rather than seeing what he could see in front of him. Yeah. Brad Schneider being a seven with kind of Cleary doing the running as well as the organising, you can have Schneider the sitting back and organising, just doing what, luai does uh, potentially a lot better using that experience and and i feel like he could potentially have let nathan just basically run the show and be there when necessary <laughs> kind of thing um, Yeah, which is what i kind of expected it or potentially using day and laurie like luai were as as much as i hate to say it i really think penrith uh, underutilized luai's skills just by sticking him over on that left edge I'd love to see Luai, especially this year and last year um come more into the middle and link up with his 7 and Cleary a lot more you seen it a little bit last year but still not as much as as kind of I, I, I hoped he still kind of just stays on that left edge and you could kind of see it last year with losing kick out how less destructive that um left second row spot was mm-hmm. Um when, when you do have Luai just sitting there, you're sitting at the World Cup and how influential he was in the middle of the park, organising yeah. and being that seven, which is, you know, um where I think Schneider could have been a little bit different and a little bit of a wild card.
1: Yeah, I think what Schneider would do is, yeah, like you said, similar to what Jack Cogger did last year when they played together, was open up Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Now, yeah. I heard in the um, documentary about the grand final win, Nathan Cleary was talking about when Jack Cogger came into the team, it was about playing to Cogger's strengths rather than making him play like Lua. And so that's where, yeah, Nathan Cleary in the grand final was essentially playing 5-8 towards the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, like... It was almost it was like a hybrid role where he was still doing halfback things. You know, he was kicking the yeah. Um, which isn't something that you see from the five eight in a Penrith team, for instance. Um, but yeah, it's interesting the point you make about as well about like you'd like to have seen Luai venture in field a little bit more because I do wonder whether that would have been the case if he wasn't in, in such a dominant team. Yeah. Where pretty much plan A pretty much worked all the time. Yeah. You very rarely and needed that plan B. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to be honest, in a game like the World Cup Challenge last year, plan B, they weren't prepared for it. They they weren't good enough when it came time to execute plan B. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really interested in seeing how they attack because, yeah, Cleary is very much middle service with Edward sweeping right and Luai sitting on the left. So I'm really interested to see how this does work. Jack Cole, when he plays centre, tends to play left centre. So at least he'll be used to playing on that side of the field. But it's going to be interesting. He's not going to do that sort of dance around on the spot and put someone into a hole kind of thing. He'll be the one who wants to be hitting the hole himself. Yeah, so I'm very interested. In, like I do think if they wanted to go completely the same way, I think Dane Laurie would have been the option because he's the most like-for-like replacement for Luai.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he knows the the kind of the setup and the team having played within yeah. that system with them players and also playing, yeah. you know, the odd game at fullback when necessary and at five-eighth standoff for our English viewers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Back in, what, 2021 or tw- 2020 when he was, like, just starting out before he went to Wests. I think it um, was 20. Yeah. I can't remember. I-, I can't remember if he did two or three years at West. Either way, he, <laughs> he-, he got dropped last year for yeah. some strange reason. Tim Sheen's ball, you know. So, <laughs> But, um, with... We've obviously, you know, Penrith coming over. I was going to wait wait till a bit further on in the podcast, but while we're talking about Penrith, we may as well do it now. Um, the smash and grab tactic of flying mm. over Friday night Australian time, landing Saturday morning English time, only seven days before the World Club Challenge kicks off, is a very... Hmm. brave decision um, we see it over here where teams fly out on the day to the south of France for instance um, preparations key and preparations everything, you've seen it with the Sydney Roosters in 2019 where they flew out on the 12th of Feb, I think about 12 days before, stayed in the south of France with Catalan and then just took a flight over three days before and then played the game you said it in 2020 when they did basically the same thing, but they stayed in Spain. Um, I think they flew out... I think it was around the 12th again, or, or whether they flew out earlier the first year because of the Nines tournament. I know they were delayed slightly. Um, they stayed in Spain, did the same thing, um, trained over in Spain, and still still having a bit of warm weather training and then flying over to Saints, and... Um, and I think th- two, three days before again, and that system seemed to work for them. Um, and in the past, you've seen it were very rarely teams that fly over a week or less before get the victory. Do you think it's brave or stupid <laughs> is the question? I don't want to be pessimistic,
1: <laughs> but I've very much been a fan of the way the Roosters have done it <laughs> Yeah. or where they almost make it like a holiday for the players where they can relax and be there and enjoy themselves there. So that way, not only are they more acclimatised, but they're just in a lovely mood about the game. They're probably feeling really nice about yeah. it. They've just spent yeah, nearly two weeks in France or in Spain. Um, you're right, about 2020, they, did, they went out before the nines mm-hmm because yeah. they were played... Their leftover players played in the nines.
0: Ah, was uh, that a, like, I not nines affected them. I couldn't yeah. remember whether they traveled they, later. Had
1: a, they had a member of their coaching staff um, playing in the nines tournament. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a retired sure. AFL player. <laughs> he played oh, on the wing. Canris beat them 35-0 in an 18-minute game. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, because it was on Valentine's Day,
0: so they must have flown out before it. Yeah, must have. Because I I just remember the, I couldn't remember whether they flew out later or earlier. And obviously being the 14th, it was definitely earlier because um, they played us around the 21st, I think. So they must have flew out around the 10th. And (laughs) that's quite funny that they had uh, all the leftovers and and a member of the coaching staff. So
1: it's that... you you're seeing things going similar this week with um the NRL teams that are playing in Vegas next week, they still have yeah. trial matches this weekend in Sydney, uh, or in Australia at least, but they've already flown over. I think they flew over today, maybe
0: tomorrow. All right, okay. so it's
1: it's just players who didn't make the squad. <laughs>
0: you know, so playing over there. Let me just check the betting markets and put on a few bets because there's no way the English bookies will know that. <laughs> well, the
1: the um the issue though is that the four teams that are going over are playing each other. So, oh. Like, Brisbane is playing Manly and South is playing. <laughs> the oh, team. that's I,
0: guess, shit. I, know, wow. I know, I know. I guess to even it up that,
1: slightly,
0: man. but yeah. Oh, well thought. There would have been a bit of coin ready for us English yeah, that. Our uh, bookies are awful rugby league you know in the in the championship last week um the game the witness game kicked off at half yeah. two um the bookies thought it kicked off at 3 so they were taking bets up until like 1 minute to 3 on the game so like, i put a bet on when north wales was winning uh 10 nil against witness and i was like oh well, i'll put the handicap on and then, like, <laughs> it, it got, like... The, the handicap was ridiculous at, like, 40 points or something. So I was like, yeah, I'll stick that on. <laughs> no way. Yeah, they only lost by, like, 10 points in the end. Oh, <laughs> like, that's how bad imagine... our movies are. So... <laughs> imagine if they did that in the bloody... In the
1: um, Wakefield Trinity game.
0: Oh, yeah, the 100. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they potentially did because it was only, like, 90. Uh, the handicap, <laughs> so it's still it's still lost if you put plus nine. Still such a bad handicap, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> but uh, back to the World Cup challenge. <laughs> yes. Um. Obviously, then you've, you've, you you've we we've kind of we've sailed through the Penrith sort of side. You can kind of, I mean, the rest of the team can pretty much, you know, can pretty much sound out itself. You'll obviously have Edwards playing this year. The likes of Tahoe. Tango, um, making sure I pronounce these names right. Uh, obviously, you've lost players since that team. You've obviously lost Steven Crichton. You've lost yep. Zach Hosking, who came off the bench, didn't he? Was he 18? Oh no, yeah, he started, didn't he? Was it? Yeah. And then Garner's obviously playing still. Who else did you lose? Um... Shit. Spencer Lenu. Oh, Lee
1: knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew there was a prop. Yeah, and Kogger and was named.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, game, yeah, yeah. Kogger yeah. was, was, was... Was he the extra sub? Or was he, uh, the, he was, was, no, the
1: he was... He, he was 14. Um, was he? he was he the on, utility? He came on at hooker when Mitch Kenny failed his HIA.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Honestly, like, that game is still, like... There's still a lot of hazy stuff from that game, despite the fact I've rewatched it's it about ten times.
1: It's imprinted in me.
0: <laughs> it's scarred for life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, obviously, yeah. So you know, you, you you've lost a lot of key men. Um, Crichton, of course, played fullback last year, and as we all know, Crichton in a headgear at centre is. A completely different player to Crichton in headgear at fullback. (laughs) Yeah. It's like one's a machine and one is um, not great.
1: Mm. (laughs) Not productive.
0: Yeah, well, it it was more the link-up play you looked very clunky with last year and having Edwards uh, doing that will will change the way you attack. Um, Your bench Obviously, you've got, uh, I was going to say, Lindsay Smith. It is Lindsay Smith, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked him last year when he was playing. I think he's really good. Yeah. I think he does a lot of the hard graft that props mm. do. That, you know, you, you can't can't underestimate them sort of players Um, with the contribution and what they do. Like, he, I really rate him.
1: Yeah, I think he keeps things ticking over really well when Fisher and Leoda. Uh, I was shocked his at his how head head. good
0: is how good his handling skills are for like mm. He played um, quite a bit of rock coming through. Ah, did he? Um, that might, that might make which, sense. which which explains like he's got a pretty similar
1: build to AEO, so maybe there was some thought in there that they were going to yeah. try sort of that way but I think he's filled out a little bit now and they're like, "Well, no, you're you're a front rower." So
0: well, they can utilize him like kind of um, yeah. like James Graham kind of was. You know, yeah. James Graham had great hands, and that was kind of what made him kind of change the, the lock role. Remember when they used to go to mm-hmm. just having a prop at lock who couldn't really yeah. do it? It was because of James Graham, really, and the fact that he had such good hands. Yeah. So, Canterbury, when when he went over, started playing him at 13, and obviously England were playing him at 13. And yeah. it was kind of like that just changed the whole system of like how Locke's played and now they're finally going back to, oh, yeah, they kind of need a bit of ball handling skills <laughs> because yeah. like some teams yeah. are just putting some teams are just putting a prop there that had like no <laughs> no handling ability whatsoever. <laughs>
1: I can't remember which one of them it was. It was either David Klemmer or James Tamo started the state of origin game at Locke.
0: Well, I think it was Tamo, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, cuz like one of them was starting prop and the other one was on the bench and got elevated to the starting team to start at lock.
0: <laughs> and you're like <sighs> that was a really weird uh, period of like English and Australian rugby, but Australian rugby caught oh. on so quickly they were like, "Oh yeah, we can't really do this." I think it was like a 4-5 year period for us yeah. it went to a 10-12 year period of like, "Yeah, we can play really? we could play a prop. There. No, yeah. you can't." Just because he's big and we can get extra firepower at Wigan, were are like, famous for it. Just, like, grinding down the middle. Um, yeah. Which this year is going to be quite similar with Wigan because they've got a team of prop forwards. This year they've got about... I think they've got... Uh, when I counted, they've got 11 prop forwards on the books. um, Fuck. <laughs> Including the likes of Luke Thompson, who will be missing the World Cup Challenge. Due to a failed oh. HIA uh, last week against Cast. Is that the is that
1: the tackle that the um, Cast player got set yeah.
0: off for? Yeah, yeah. No, it was the tackle where he got a two match ban for it. Where they just clash heads. Oh. They just clash heads, but yeah. but now uh, no, it was like an innocuous one from kickoff, and like okay. Luke Thompson takes it up, and like it's just a standing tackle, and they both clash heads. Yeah. But now that is a two-match ban in Super League now. The, the teething issues with the crackdown, isn't it? The, um, it's just shit rules, mate. There, there's no yep. other way. There's no other way to put it. Um, next year, if the rules come in that they are proposing, we will no longer be playing rugby league in this hemisphere. No, we will no, be playing. We will be playing a completely different sport. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to international games, there's no way England can yeah. even be invited to play over there because we're playing a different sport. Yeah. It's, there's going to be
1: one Australia-England, like, Ashes tour when they bring it back like they're always trying to. And it's going to be such a bloodbath that they'll never do it again.
0: It's, it's 2025, so it's literally the year of the new rules. So they will have yeah. a full year on this hemisphere. Of playing a completely different sport. Our only saving grace is half of our team will be playing in the NRL. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we've got we've got half of the England yeah. team that'll be like clued up, and then we've got the other half that'll be not <laughs> basically. Um and this this clamp down it's I can see it tearing the game apart over here, which is quite sad. Um, I can see diehard fans losing interest. I can see players losing interest. I mean, the likes of Liam Watts that has now got a four-match ban for standing his ground in a tackle is an absolute joke. He got um, four matches for that one? Yeah. So he got four Look, matches for that a, I didn't think it was a good tackle, but... I thought the worst four. incident was Westerman's initial contact on him. Yeah. it's he puts the shoulder in and then his head just ricochets into Watts. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that Westerman's not penalised, and he is, and four games for that, and yet Hamlin Pele, uh, Franklin Pele, got three matches oh. for his wind yeah, <laughs> wind he swing. He got three matches for it. Um, it was a deliberate act of violence. Yeah, and then he threw a dig at someone afterwards, but luckily he missed, so they didn't bother sanctioning him for that. And it's like... <laughs> what are you doing like a whole match review panel in England is the most inconsistent shit going well, I mean yeah Wigan's halfback is playing this weekend, yeah right? did you see uh, Nathan Cleary's comments I've got to get it up yeah was that
1: is that the RFL wanting Wigan to win it <sighs> or is it confidence? well I, I don't know
0: well, when Penrith Panthers star Nathan Cleary was asked about how Wigan Warriors Harry Smith escaped a ban and would be free to play in the World Cup Challenge, Nathan Cleary commented back, "Fancy that!" Now, I think that pretty much <laughs> sums up mm. everyone's reaction to it because Nathan Cleary got what seven weeks for that same tackle. Yeah, well, the 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 way I look at it and I watched back the Alex McKinnon tackle, which is gruesome to watch and horrific to watch. And it is so similar how his body... Right, so it it annoys me when I see it on Twitter, Wigan fans going, rightfully, that the player put himself in that position. No, he didn't. The defender puts the attacker in that position. They have the right. Once them legs come up off the floor, your natural reaction is to brace for impact. That is it. Now the RFL have deemed um, Luke Hooley's brace for impact as an unnatural movement. So they have said he put himself in that position. He himself wanted his neck to be in a potentially breaking situation and it is an absolute farce on the governing body and is an absolute farce on English Rugby League, the fact that the match review panel will happily allow someone to potentially break their necks rather than someone, as bad as concussion is, someone getting a blow to the head by an accidental shoulder. Someone has purposefully lifted him up and dumped him on his neck. And that yeah. isn't as bad.
1: If you want to see what it looks like when someone jumps into it looking to win a penalty,
0: yeah,
1: it's not that. Josh Reynolds did it in, I think, like 2012 for the Bulldogs against Mealy yeah. in Golden Point in penalty goal range. Yeah. And what he does is he has one leg lifted up. He's being held.
0: And yeah, he and he kicks
1: off. his yeah, yeah, yeah. leg yeah. And then does like yeah, a, a yeah. tumble. It was completely different.
0: So so the RFL changed the grading um, criteria for lifting tackles because of two inc- three incidents that happened last season. So one of them was against Leeds. I believe it was against Leeds. And Jack Wellsby um, did the same thing. He was lifted up and he kicked up off the floor and landed on his neck. So the player got a one-match suspension because it wasn't in the criteria. Richie Myler did it on two occasions, and the players got one match bans and two match bans accordingly. Now, the reason they added this criteria in was to stop that. Harry Smith has lifted the legs up, so you have to brace for impact. Like, you have to. It is a natural instinct, it's fight or flight. You don't just go, oh, well, I'm just going to let it. You've got to protect. And that's the same thing yeah. that Alex McKinnon did in that tackle, where his legs yeah. get lifted up and he braced for impact. What happened there was you had three men in the tackle and the weight just crushed and broke his neck. Now, if there's more force in that tackle, he is a goner. He It's the same yeah. incident over yeah. and over again. Yeah. The RFL have just said, crack on. The RFL have said, yep, you can do that. And I wouldn't mind, but you have Luke Yates currently serving a three-match suspension for a tackle where someone lands on their back because he lifted the legs up. (laughs) You have Adam Kieran in a trial game doing the exact same tackle Luke Yates did and didn't even get sanctioned for it. You have Cade Ellis in the Castleford game As much as the player is falling, a direct shoulder to the head doesn't get sighted. So you have all these problems and indiscretions where clubs are looking at it. Players are getting frustrated and they're going, well, what are the guidelines? What is the point? So just because I have an important game next week means I get off it. Now, I have a lot of winging fans in my mentions mentioning Morgan Knowles getting off for the grand final after an appeal of an appeal. Saints went there with 12 different clips throughout the season of a chicken wing tackle never getting penalised, both on limbs, in the arms and the legs, and non-getting penalised, non-getting match suspensions. So they won their appeal based on evidence that you can't do that to someone and ban another player and not ban them, and then someone else does it and you ban them. So that's how he got off for the grand final. He shouldn't have. (laughs) It was simple. He should have been banned. So I said that at the time, and it's a farce, but if they're not going to ban other people in normal games, they can't ban someone for a final. They are banning people for normal games, so they have to ban someone for the final. You look at the NRL, they banned Cameron Smith for the final, that they ended up losing 40-0. just because it kills the spectacle, someone deserves to be banned. They get banned. And this is the whole point. And now Wigan are going into a game with two players that shouldn't really have been playing. Huddersfield, who have Luke Yates suspended, have to play Wigan in two weeks. And he should be banned with a three-match ban, as per the regulations on their own lifting, tackle, dangerous throw, and the fact that Luke Yates got three games. So, Huddersfield have every right to be pissed off. Penrith have. and It's just such a weird scenario that they think they can just manipulate things and not give reasons and and rightful reasons as well. I don't know if you want to add to that. I've had my little five minute rant. (laughs) You do get similar
1: in the NRL with inconsistencies i think yeah yeah, what the nrl does really well is they're transparent about the criteria um so that if someone does make an argument you can go well what about this but then you have instances like penrith getting off with tyrone may a tyrant not Tyrone taylor 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 may in the 2022 final series makes high contact with Will Penasini for Parramatta, knocks yeah. him out. He's out for the game. He gets Simbin for it, rightfully. And then he gets a two-match suspension that the NRL delays until the 2023 season. Yeah. And they came out and said, because the fans want to see the best players playing. It's like, yeah, sure they do, but if you deserve a suspension, you deserve a suspension. Now... Yeah. Taylan May got injured in that exact same game and missed the yep. rest of the season, he did his hamstrings. So he hadn't done his suspension yet. Then he is allowed to play in the World Club Challenge, mm-hmm. where he does his ACL and misses the entire season again, which you go like, well, honestly, if you were going to be counting suspensions for this, then that wouldn't yep. have happened. This player wouldn't have been injured for the year. Um, and then now they have announced that he is free for selection from round one this year. They're counting Without games a suspension. They're counting games missed through injury as games missed through suspension as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Which like is it like I'm glad he's back because he's in our strongest team. Was it, it was it not for the off field was it not for the off field incident that he got banned? No, for? he didn't get He didn't get any suspension for that. Did he not? I always thought it was for that. No, Ah. it was for a high shot in the first Because I thought that was the reason they came out with, was that um, we don't want to allow best players to miss the game for off-field instance. That's what I thought it was.
1: It was... What they did was they also clarified that off-field instances with suspensions related to that don't count as suspensions that rule a player out of dally m contention
0: oh so maybe like they just the yeah. media over there yeah. like fuse the two yeah. stories together and then that's Probably where like yeah. the confusion because yeah. it full-on read over here that it was like oh it was not field instance so we're not getting banned for it but now that's see but i would rather i would rather the rfl and the NRL came out and said, look, we've come to an agreement. We want the best players to play. They're both going to be banned, yeah. but they'll get an exemption for this game. Yeah. I would much rather that yeah. because you you then have teams like Huddersfield who have now been without their captain for the first three rounds. Granted, they yeah. won last week against Lee. They've now got to go to Saints and Wigan without their captain. Like, you know, like even if they'd have just come and said, right, you know, we want the best players to play. We want it to be a spectacle. He's gonna get a three match ban, but we'll delay it a week. Yeah, and then like, and then at least there's everyone knows that you know what, yeah, they are prioritizing big games, but it's on BBC. You know, we, we get to we get to see the yeah. best players.
1: It's not it's not the best solution, but at least you would be able to understand the logic
0: behind it. Whereas instead the victim blamed. <laughs> yeah. They've said Luke Cooley put himself in that position when it's not. And, and Did the, he end the up getting from the fine? Yeah, two hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, so they still found him to have some guilt as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it, like, he's either innocent or like yeah. if you're innocent of a crime. Whoop, now my mic just went. I apologize for that. Like, how so you are. <laughs> I am because it like people will think oh it's, it's anti wigging, it's it's not it's the fact that is I would much rather Harry Smith played but I would. I don't want to see players being put in the positions they are yeah. when you have other incidences that are nowhere near as worse getting bigger fines, bigger suspensions. Yeah. And that is the problem I've got with it. And it's going to be even funnier in 2025 when we have Jared Warira hargreaves coming over to play for Hull <laughs> KR.
1: Yeah, he's picked the wrong year to come over. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's like, you know... You, they'll have Cade Ellis playing at 13, who, who has decent hands, to be fair. Obviously, he's played over in Australia. Um, I don't think him. he... Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? That's the only Australian club he played for, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, he
1: played for the Dragons as well, didn't he?
0: Yes, he did, I think. Mm-hmm. was Rugby League Project when you need it? I knew he was at Penrith. I, I
1: think he did because he... I think he was one of the Dragons players who broke the COVID regulations to go to that barbecue. Of course.
0: Yes, he was. St. George Illawarra. Yeah.
1: But he debuted at Penrith in his first two. Yeah.
0: Games. He made eight appearances in two years. Uh, the two he played in 2019, yeah. and he lost. That was a really shit yeah. season.
1: <laughs> that was the 10th place finish, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, because I, I, that season, I always remember, because the year after, you went on to win... Um, went on to win, obviously the the uh, minor premiership. I was trying to think what you called it. I was going to say league leaders, yeah. the minor premiership, and then um, yeah, and you were you were sixty six to one to win the grand final at the start of the year. Had you in a double yeah. with Saints, and it was something like two hundred to one. <laughs> and I had I had like over I had like ten pound eighty or something. That I had left in my betting account and I stuck it on that at the start of the year. I'm frigging Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? I was like, you've, you've yeah. dominated all season. I was like, this is a banker. I've got yeah. two grand at the end of the year. We won 17 games in a row. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> fucking horrible club. <laughs> I really you're, you're got pissed on. off on that. It was like, oh. Yeah, so they've got Cade Ellis playing at 13. Obviously, we mentioned Luke Thompson not playing. Um, yeah. I believe he's their only absentee after um, Matty Peake confirmed Cruz Lehman will be playing. He's got a sore ankle that he t- rolled he at the Cass game. The yeah. yeah, yeah. He rolled his ankle at Cass and he um, he was in a boot at the end of the game, but they said it was just precautionary. He's just got a sore ankle. He'll be playing um, along with O'Neal coming off the bench. So we're going to look in very, very strong. Is there a bit of you that's worried potentially? Yes, because it's Penrith in the World Club Challenge. Is this just like um, post-traumatic stress? Yeah, <laughs> well, like, even like... we've listed Flashback. we've
1: listed the three World Club Challenges that Penrith have competed in and the three that they've lost. Even when you look at 1997, when it was an expanded format, including every team in the Super League in Australia and then every team in the European Super League. Yeah,
0: let's not talk about them. <laughs> well, Penrith
1: Penrith won every single group sta- group game. Yeah. He didn't make the knockout phase because yeah. of the way that the competition was ranked. So Penrith are clearly cursed in this competition.
0: Yeah. I mean, you beat Saints in 97. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah that was a I, weird time and a weird i think that's
1: the first game that was on after i was born was it yeah
0: yeah so maybe, uh,
1: maybe that last year was like revenge on me for daring to be born
0: <laughs> they were like they were like this is the world <laughs> this is the world yeah. coming back yeah. <laughs> jack well, at right, a hundred miles an three, hour eight.
1: We're going to give you three people. We're going to hurt you at one stage along the way.
0: <laughs> I mean, you look at like, um, obviously, we talked about the travel and and underprepared and you saying that, you know, it does worry you. And you're like how mm-hmm. Sydney did it. I mean, you look at Saints went over a month before um, we played St. George. Yeah. We went in mid-January for like, because we, we always do a warm training camp and they were just like, well, let's double yeah. up. So they went did warm training in Australia and and did like a four week holiday. Um, it it like you say it just would have been good to get that extra prep in the time zone that you're playing at. Um, I think it as much as like flying mm. at night business class helps. I don't think it. Um, I still don't think it's as as helpful as being on the same time zone. <laughs> no,
1: no, I agree. Um,
0: um go on. I feel like
1: you can never be too prepared, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, yeah. So, who is key? Would you say for both Penrith and Wigan? Who have Who have Penrith got to watch out for? As an Aussie, reflecting back, um, have you seen any of the Super League games that were on last week over there? Because obviously, you guys get all games this year. The the
1: issue was that um the most of the games were on when I was like at work, for instance.
0: Oh yeah, I yeah.
1: watched I watched the Hull Derby.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah, very good game. And it was I watched... a funny game. It it wasn't oh, a good yeah. game. The quality was yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. enough, but I it really... was a funny game. <laughs> I have only had soft spot
1: for Hull KR. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um. And so to I watch, know, I used to hate them. I well, like just to watch that result made me laugh.
0: So <laughs> I just Hull F C, man, like they. Yeah, I just really like them. I'm not sure why. I have no reason to. Mate, uh, well, if you go back in like history, it's quite a uh, quite a violent club, like back in the 80s and that. Like mm. my dad used to ban like me going Hull away because of what was happening like in his. Like when he was playing and and uh, when when like he he used to go like Hull had such a bad reputation, um. But it's more the fact that like when I was growing up, going Hull FC, we used to always lose, so I used to hate them because because <laughs> like we used to always lose. Like you just had this like hold over Saints. It always felt like that as a kid. Like every time I watched them on telly, we just lost. So like, uh, but. The the demise of Hull over the past five, six years has been Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like, Super League needs a strong Hull FC. Like It needs a strong Hull FC. It's never really had a strong Hull KR until, like, the past two, three years. Yeah. Because Hull KR have never really invested money. And the reason I like them Uh now is they've changed everything. They've got new investors on board and they're just plowing money into the club. Which Their stadium
1: looks all right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was, so
1: um that's why I kinda liked them was because they played in like a rundown stadium compared to whole FC being at the KC. Yeah. Which yeah, I,
0: was yeah. Like, I was like I
1: was like was like it's the ugly duckling.
0: <laughs> but um but yeah, so obviously well obviously you didn't catch the Wigan game, I'm assuming, because that was honestly I watched mate, the
1: highlights of it.
0: Yeah, it was yeah. not a good game for the viewer. Like Cass's pitch is awful at like draining it looked, water and it was lobbing it, it down
1: not,
0: like the grass looked long yeah that as well so like yeah. because of the rain it was just like a bog and like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't look into that game and expect that wigan to turn up <laughs> because yeah, the that, conditions yeah. were awful <laughs> the like the playing on it like they're playing on a, a, a league yeah. one football stadium that that is like has yeah. been in the Premier League before and stuff like that, so it's got quite a yeah. quite a decent pitch. It's got a billionaire owner, so don't yeah. don't be expecting that Wigan to be turning not, up. Yeah. It is not the jungle, the Menderhose Jungle, which is as as someone who whose team played the Totally Wicked Stadium, that's still the worst stadium name ever. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's pretty bad. It's Like it makes the worst one in Australian history look good, which was One Three Hundred Smiles Stadium in Townsville, because it was sponsored by a local dentist.
0: Was that the old one before they moved into the new one? one. The the oh, what's the the dairy farmers? That's this one, isn't it? Yeah. Dairy farmers. Was that the old one?
1: Yeah, it was called that for like twenty years, and then like it's last like two years, it was called One Three Hundred Smiles. Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's brilliant, and yeah. um, so obviously I was—we went off topic there. But who are the three that you are? Um, who you think Penrith should look out for? Who are the three that you think will be most vital for the Penrith Panthers in terms of getting you over the line? Obviously, number one is, of course, the number seven, Nathan Cleary. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, so, so. so we, we could take him out of that and go with yeah. three other players <laughs> because he, okay, he's yeah, just him out of it completely. He, he's just a world he I think it's mad the fact that we've seen the best 20 minutes of a halfback in the NRL in Ezra Mam, and then Nathan Cleary just went, nah I will yeah. show you what a halfback can do like yeah. It was on un- like Ezra Mam just turned the game on its head, and it was like, wow, there's no way Penrith can come back from this. And Nathan Cleary just went, "Give me the ball, I will show you how to win a rugby league game." <laughs> well,
1: he set up the first, he set up the Moses Leo to try,
0: and yeah, I turned was- to
1: Victoria and I said, "He fucking owed us that." Like I'm a massive Nathan Cleary defender, but I was fuming at him up until that point in that game. And then he kicks the 40 20 two minutes later. We're still losing by 10 points. And I just turned around and we've won. Like, I, we had the momentum now because he'd wrestled it back. Then he sets up the Crichton try by giving him early ball because in the game earlier, they had been. The half had been going into the line and trying to give it to Crichton as he's in yeah. the hole, but Costoni Costoni Stags was physically all over him. Yeah, so he just gave him room to run at Staggs, and he Stags got his feet wrong and he was able to fend him off. Yeah, then he what catches that dropout to make it a penalty. Offers, yeah. sorry, he converts the Crichton try in the corner. Then he catches the penalty, and then the try, and you're like. It's like a hat trick is really, really, really impressive, but being able to do a bit of everything is so much more. I think
0: it wasn't a bit of everything, though. It was everything and everything. (laughs) It was yeah, yeah. It was the he threw the book at it. Like he just he ripped up the book and went nah. If if he piss off, I'm gonna I'm gonna write my own page. I'm gonna write my own novel. And he just, it was mesmerising to watch. Like, just you know being sat there, watching it in the morning, with my cup of tea, going... I even made a cup of tea at halftime. I went, well, Penrith will win this. I went, I don't care if they scored yeah. that try. I went, this will this will be it. And then, by the time I was finishing off my cup of tea, it was... They were losing by 20 points. And I went, what the f*** has yeah. happened? And then... It, like that 4020 to do that on the run as well. It wasn't even like Yeah. It was just yeah. like it just seemed like he just seen it and he was like, No, I'm going for it. it. he was just playing what was in front of him, and that is the beauty of of seeing a half. It was like watching a half in the 90s or the or the 80s, you know like when you watch the old clips and they just see what's in front of them and they just go, No, nope, we're yeah. gonna do this. There was no structure, he just went, Give me the ball and I will do something. And that was the magic of it. That's where Ezra Mann was walking away with the Daily M, daily M, uh, daily M, the frigging Clive, <sighs> Clive Churchill medal. He was walking away with yeah. it, and then Nathan Cleary just pulls up with that. So we're going to take Nathan Cleary out of it. We know what he can do. We know if he's even, you know, even if he's not performing well, up until an hour, he still might pull off the greatest 20 minutes. Of your Mm. life, so we'll take him out. Who's your number one, most important player?
1: Isaiah. Okay. Just because I think he's the most irreplaceable player in the team, because there's no one else in that side that can do his role. Like, you can get like, I mean, halfback as well, obviously but we're taking Nathan Cleary out of it. Um, like, if Fisher-Harris goes down, you've still got uh, Yeah. If colt goes down, you've still got Taruba. Um, If I mean, Jack Cole goes down, you've got Nathan Cleary. We'll have a backup for Hooker, yeah, second row, everything. We don't have another Isaiah Yo in the squad, let alone the team that's going to be playing. And I think you were saying that Wigan have a very big team. Like, they have
0: 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So (laughs) that that difference maker of having a ball player rather than a battering ram could be what it takes to once again have that, that vision for a forward to spot where, you know, if Wigan are under the pump and they've made three quick tackles in a row and all these big men are tired... Or he spots, you know, Bevan French, who you know, defense is, you know, not mandatory for him. From my experience of watching him play against NRL teams, at least, um, you know, he he has the ability to unlock that. He is that player who can step up if Nathan Cleary, for instance, isn't. Yeah, and I I just think he's a wonderful player. I think he's become slightly underrated. Because people always talk about how good he is. That people have started to go like, oh, he's not that good.
0: Yeah, and I think I think with Isaiah Yeo as well, he, <laughs> as, as big as the hype was, he goes under the radar mm. despite all the hype. Whereas he seems to just go about his game. And yeah. because he's never on the, never really on the score sheet, he might score one, two he tries. He doesn't do any
1: bullshit, no.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, he very rarely gets seen. Of like, like the modern day Twitter fan, for instance, is all about tries. Despite the fact, yeah. like ignores the position and ignores everything else. Kind of like how they look at Wayne Rooney in football and go, "Oh, he didn't score that many in comparison to you know some others in less games, but he yeah. did all the hard work. He did all the he did all the you know he, he tracked back, he done everything, and that's kind of what yeah. Isaiah Yo does. And the fact that he can be so big, as in in stature, still have them hands, still get in the positions he can." And more importantly, he can unlock defenses by doing that. Yeah. He he doesn't get the credit as much as he probably used to back in mm. you know two years ago. Yeah, uh, which is what I really like about him. Uh, one that I, well, my number one person was Liam Martin. Yeah. Um, because he is. He is underrated because Massively. of the exact same reasons you said. He had all the hype. He had yeah. everything from an early age, and now people are like, "Oh, what what does he do?" And they just don't know. Like I, for me in the NRL, there is not many players that can be his size and run the lines that he runs. Mm. Like he he reads the game so well as a second row, and the amount of tackles he does, like, he doesn't do as many minutes as he used to, probably because of his size, and the fact that he doesn't really need to in the NRL, because Penrith is so dominant, you may as well rest your best players when you can. Yeah. In the the Australia series, he was so good, and I think he got man of the match in one game, and people were like, how did you get man of the match? And I was like, because, did you not watch the game? (laughs) And it's just like, people just hate on him because... I don't know really why. but they just seem to just not like him it's I like, just watch the game and watch how he plays. He is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. He's another player who if you purely you get a lot of people who with like when it comes to forwards, only look at meters gained. Yeah. And it's like just because he's built like a prop doesn't mean he's gonna punch out prop numbers. Yeah. So at the end of the day, he's playing on an edge. And pennants forwards don't need to make as many metres as the average forward pack because your back three are all built like forwards Yeah. and will make you so many metres. Now, what Liam Martin does is on the ball, he, he yeah, like you said, he hits holes so well to the point that even when he's not getting the ball, he's so dangerous because he's a great decoy. Um. And then off the ball, he's just a psycho. He, he's the closest thing to what I would describe as like an English forward.
0: Yeah. Where, yeah. You
1: know, it's just a big tough bastard and he's just gonna hard to get you. around. He's not, he's not, he's not going to feel bad about it. And, and like, if you go around to the halves in the competition and you say like, which second row would you like defending one inside you? I reckon most of them would say Liam Martin.
0: Yeah, he he is is as much as under the radar goes to put him because we are, a, 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 I am a St. Helens fan and this is a St. Helens podcast. He reminds me a lot defensively of of Joe Batchelor for us. He just tackles everything and anything and he's very hard to get around. And the defensive effort he puts in kind of makes your centre able to, when it was obviously Crichton last year and this year it's, probably going to be Taylor May maybe on that right edge Um, which is weird because I thought Taruva would have been the centre and Taylor would have been left winger Um, but it it can allow them centres to shoot out and close them gaps because they know that second row can be there to cover so the way the Saints defensive structure is so similar to Penriths, where the second rows are so good at what they do and the likes of like we have uh, James Bell playing loose forward and and uh, Curtis Sierra, the fact that they're so good defensively, and, and Bachelor on the right side, they allow them centres to push in or the wingers if they see a gap to shut that play off. And that's what, and because our sliding defence, like Penrith, is so good, we can back ourselves to cover that. And that is where it, it's such a good, useful tool. And that's probably where in the World Cup challenge last year, it probably took Penrith by surprise how good Saints were defensively um, yeah. in that aspect. And I think Wigan, as much as they had a better defence than us, I do think their sliding defence isn't quite as good. So I think that there is ways to get around that on them edges. And having someone like Liam Martin there, he, he can easily, easily capitalise on that. And uh, I, he was going to be my shout for first try, to be honest. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's whether they go for impact off the bench because there's not that much yeah. impact this year off the bench. Whereas, you know, um, but then who, who who's another player that you think, you know, we best keep an eye on? Because there's, there's obviously a lot of people that still don't watch the NRL over in England. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I'm uh-huh. doing this section because even though they're the best team there, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, yeah, still got to, still got to mention. Uh, Dylan Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's Latter. just...
1: He's not. He's not the best player in the team. He's not the best fullback in the NRL. He's up there in both of those categories.
0: See, I had. Uh, I had just. Dis- sorry, let me just cut in. I had a yeah. discussion on on Twitter with someone and a, a Penrith yeah. fan, and I said, Dylan Edwards isn't one of the top five fullbacks in the NRL ability wise.
1: Oh no, yeah, a, not at all. I'd
0: I'd even yeah. put Jack Wellsby ahead of him ability wise. Yeah. But what he does for Penrith makes him a top three fullback mm. in the NRL. And 100%. I couldn't quite get that across to him. He's he like, no, 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 he's brilliant. I was like, yeah, he is. But the fullback is mainly judged on attack rather than defense. As good as yeah. he is at attack, he's much more of an all-round player. And then players never get mentioned in them. But for what he does for this Penrith team, he's one of the top three fullbacks easily in the world. 100%. 100%. It's because, yeah, he's not the
1: best player in the team or he's not the best fullback. But strangely enough, it is no Edwards, no party. Yeah. Like Penrith don't win games without Dylan Edwards in the team. Like, and he's not the highest paid player in the team or anything like that, and deservedly so. Just based on ability and production and output, but yeah, it, it they don't win him. They put Stephen Crichton at fullback in the World Cup Challenge, for instance, and then in other games where Edwards has been uh, hurt. And Stephen Crichton is a more talented player by far. Yeah. But it's not the same. No. And I'm not sure whether Super League is trending this way or not, but the NRL has definitely taken a turn to The idea of your fullback being a luxury is rapidly going out of the game in the NRL. It's players like Dylan Edwards and like Clint Gutherson who are workaholics who are in every play, who are always busy, who are good communicators in defense to their 12 men in front of them, and then yet follow up every single time in attack and are always there, always an option. Those are the players that are now in the good teams. Like Reese Walsh rested twice in the grand final. One was for the 40-20, one was for the winning try. It's such a percentages game now that your fullback can't be that way. And Reese Walsh is actually a very busy fullback, but he's quite young and it's the first grand final he's ever played in. So you can see why the intensity perhaps got to him, whereas someone like a Dylan Edwards, it's there. And someone like Stephen Crichton, it wasn't there. And you're seeing the way that... Now that Tedesco is starting to lose his legs, it's not going the same way for him as it used to.
0: Yeah, he needs to move to centre ASAP, in my yeah,
1: opinion. Someone, someone like Latrell Mitchell, who is probably the most talented fullback in the NRL, but doesn't have that same work rate. That's why there's always calls for him to get moved back to centre because he's probably the best centre in the world if he plays there. But he's barely a top five fullback in the NRL. And I love Latrell. I'm a big defender of him.
0: No, oh, ability-wise, he, he, he could he be one do. of the top three players, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love what he can do, but he doesn't always do it because he's not always there and available. And availability is the best ability now in a fullback. I don't know if Super League is going that way as well or if there's still uh, sort of a bit of a Ferrari in your team.
0: That depends. So teams like Wigan, they have Jai Field, who defensively is no one near good enough. Um, but in attack he's yep. rapid and fast and can do everything that you want yep. so there's that aspect um, defensively as you know from the NRL and his time uh, granted he mainly played on the wing um, He the, there's there's lots of aspects where he needs to improve Ma- mainly a lot of it is yep. to do with positioning because um, yep. speed can cover it but then also you look at teams like um Catalan with Arta Morg and teams like Saints with Jack Wellsby they are workaholics but they are young so they can improve and
1: like outworked Crichton oh yeah yeah and that was the difference
0: yeah and um and with Wellsby working on that defensive game will be huge like last year it improved drastically and this year it'll improve again because he's under Paul Wellens, who's one of the best defensive fullbacks you could have in the game. And obviously his time working with the likes of Lock and Coote and Ben Barber at a very early age. I mean, there's no yeah. two better players to no. learn that passing game, the the attacking fluid, even them two players. So having that background is massive, and you see it differently. And, and Arton Moore, he's he's so small. But he's so good. Like he could he's the future of French rugby and he has to become the poster boy of French rugby league pretty quickly. Because yeah. he's just so good. And um, and then yeah, like you say with the, the old fullback commodity he is probably going out, but again, yeah. there's not many other teams like um you can really judge that on Warrington have Matt Dufty and it pretty much sums it up. He is awful. Like I, I, yeah,
1: Matt Duffy defensively, is a
0: and the, you know what? I, I genuinely watched that Catalan game back. If you can, there's an incident yeah. where a high bomb goes up. Warrington have a 17 year old winger who scored in in as well, but they have a 17 year old winger, and he's going for the ball, and Matt Duffy's going for the ball, and Matt Duffy just leaves it, lets it bounce. Yeah and then blames the 17 year old lad for it yeah like, no you are you are 10 years his senior you have NRL experience you should be going get lost that's my ball you should be commanding that the basics of a yeah. fullback the the non negotiable as a fullback is you catch a, a ball right yeah that is yeah. a non negotiable and it's it was a case of why and, and he seems to be, to be that, like you say, the luxury player, but without the ability. There are people that pay money to see Matt Dufty play. I feel sorry for them people. Yeah. I am so glad he thought he was too big for Saints for that one-year deal we gave him. I am so glad he turned us down. Because, my God, if I had to watch that week in, week out, I would be livid. The, the the work effort and the ethic is vital and that's what Dylan Edwards brings to you guys. Um I'll go I was gonna go with Dylan Edwards, but I'll I'll pick someone else. I will go with JFH because he's just the yeah, best no, he's the best prop in the competition. Yeah. I really don't care because A the work rate he gets through. Wow. <laughs> like for a prop think... forward in the think NRL think... doing that week in, week out. He's all well round. Penhar's Penhar's is
1: admittedly more destructive with the ball, but James Fisher Harris hits harder. But then he also it's it's not just hitting; it's hit and stick. He plays, yeah, yeah. He doesn't bounce, he doesn't bounce off him. He whacks you, but then he keeps hold of you, and then he he's puts got, you to and the his leg and drive.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and, I, and it's got, very hard to get players like him on their backs because of how he runs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So getting that quick play of the ball is massively vital, especially against potentially a tired wigging outfit. Um, and yeah, so it's pretty much self-explanatory. James Fisher Harris. If if you're English and you don't know about him, genuinely sort yourselves out. <laughs> Who's your? Uh, I heard man? him described coming.
1: I, mean, well, I, oh, I heard Fisher Harris coming through just quite described when he was at the debut the next mile out, and I went, oh yeah, but then he has not had the thug in him, so once again, yeah. available. Which is Which
0: weird. I think just like you, so much. You look at him and and you and you you shit yourself if he came anywhere near you with his tattoos and and the size and the, and the, the the stir that he gives. So I'd be like, I uh, I was <laughs> like, he's probably a lovely yeah. person, but bloody hell, he'd shit yeah. me up. I'd imagine that running at you. <laughs> Fuck that.
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to go Moses Leota. I yep. love Moses Leota so much. Same. He is. He's not James Fisher-Harris, but he's honestly not far off it. And I actually think I think Fisher-Harris is better across the season, but I actually think Leota is a little bit better in big games.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The three grand finals that Penrith have won on the bounce, he has been an absolute animal in all three of them. He has not given an inch to anyone. He's played like James Fisher-Harris plays every week, but with an extra 1%. Yeah. And that's what Penrith... Didn't bring last year. You know, Moses Lyota would have been playing at 100%, whereas we know that this year, after what happened, he'll be playing at 101%, where it's that little subconscious thing where you go, "Yeah, Holy shit. And you know what? You know, it's completely unrugby related, but similar to Crichton with a headgear, Moses Lyota now has a beard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it's
0: over. Is this it? It's over for everyone. <laughs> Moses has turned into Moses. Yeah, is he going to power the Seas? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Seas are going to be Cato's skull. <laughs> Maybe not that.
0: But... <laughs> I mean, he'll be running straight through Liam Byrne. Liam Byrne versus Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris is going to be one of the biggest onslaughts I will ever see. Like, You'll have to put him I'm... down after that game.
1: I'm not going to talk after... Last yeah after,
0: after last year yeah yeah i'll let you you let me do the talking on that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll do i'll do the uh the shit talking for you but uh but yeah absolutely superb player and i'm gonna go with obviously everyone knows of uh taho and the work he does on the wing but i'll pick yeah. his other winger in sunny Taruva. yeah i i he I am I'm, I'm lost for words with him. I absolutely adore him. <laughs> the amount of times he won me an Acker <laughs> last year just because of his try scoring. But uh also his work rate, like his carries, he is he just it's a hundred mile an hour. It's kind of like Tommy Mack, kind of like Brian Toho, kind of like um trying to think of another winger dead quick. Uh kind of like even the likes of um Tom Davies, who goes under the radar at Catalan's, they just throw the bodies on the line and and they make them yeah. they, they make the yards that the fullback needs, then the centre carries wow. in for the second set and it's just like like you seen it in the World Cup Challenge last year with Saints and Golden Point like if mm-hmm. um if you know if Mark Percival doesn't make that second carry
1: wow, and, uh, and gets out
0: Gets out of the in goal. Yeah. Saints don't go get that drop goal. Saints don't win that game. Then one percent. Oh, when he like, when he got when he got out of the in goal. Well, I knew you
1: were getting to field goal territory.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Conrad Hurrell carry as well, and it was just he got us like thirty meters up the pitch, just one big wrecking ball. And Sonny Taruva can be that, and the fact that he's so rapid as well. He's yeah. that's why I thought he'd play center, just because. He's a bit more well built than Taylor. I don't know if Taylor's been piling he's... on the pounds. I think
1: Taruva is eventually. Who knows what'll happen in a few years? He's the he's the next in line now for fullback. I think because mm. he came through as a fullback and he plays like Edwards. At yeah,
0: he did. He did it for Fiji as well, didn't he? At the World Cup. Yeah. Um. But... Edwards and then is and he's still played... so young, yeah, and doesn't he thing, just sign like and a four-year and... deal as well?
1: Yeah, and that's why that's why I kind of reneged on it a little bit because I was like, well, Edwards isn't going anywhere. Well,
0: maybe maybe but... Taruva might end up leaving and going fullback somewhere else. For okay. example, uh, everyone wants to be should. a fullback. Everyone wants to be a fullback, yeah. and that's the problem well, in get... the NRL because they the get money. Paid by the fullback. Yeah, yeah, it's like you look at um, what's his name? Oh, fucking ah cowboys he's on mega money playing centre. Oh. valentine homes like when he came oh, up man. when he came back and he, he's on fullback money playing center which now is okay because you know 800 grand is about top class center territory but at the time when he signed four years ago 800 yeah. grand was like fullback money now like like that was the high pay <laughs> so it's like it's really ridiculous yeah. like um, like you, you know why everyone wants to go over Crichton. and do that.
1: Yeah, Crichton's on fullback money to play center now. He's been named well, yeah, this week it's... for the Bulldogs.
0: Oh, has he actually? Who's yeah. playing fullback for them?
1: Yeah, uh, Blake Taff.
0: <sighs> <laughs> so I, I made the we're going off topic from World Cup Challenge, but let's go a it Um, I made a reference. Last week saying because I watched the Bulldogs trial and I was just like, they're just a team of utilities. Like yeah. all the forwards are utility forwards. They've even signed yeah. Jaden Salmon last year from Penrith it was a utility <laughs> forward. Well at lock, actually. Yeah, yeah. But but the fact is all they've signed is like utility backs utility forwards. Yeah. And then the one person that they they bought in to play a position. That wasn't his natural position. That's on the money to play it. He's now playing in the position that he's not that, he, that he's not being paid to play, but it is his yeah. best position. So they've made the right choice there. Um, but then they've, <laughs> they've got Blake Taft, who's probably on peanuts in comparison. Well, he is on oh, peanuts yeah. in comparison to Crichton, and it's like ah, oh, oh, that club, man. They need Phil Gould going ASAP, and just let Serraldo just do his thing because. That club man they also
1: i mean they also signed a halfback mid-year last year and and now not playing him they they signed sexton mid-year from the titans and did now they halfback.
0: yeah did they actually sign him yeah. permanently i just thought yeah, it was yeah. like, i just thought it was like a, a you know a loan deal type <laughs> thing he's listed as their bench utility now oh yeah one of that club yeah what what is a and they're playing a utility at
1: halfback. And so now they and have Drew two Hutchinson. left footed hearts. Lee halves.
0: legend Drew Hutchinson um is playing the starting seven.
1: Yeah, him and Matt Burton, two left footed hearts. <sighs>
0: <sighs> that is really be bottom four again, isn't it? It's like really, really it's... funny. Yeah. Thing is though, they're gonna be bottom four and they're gonna sack Servaldo. And it's not him. (laughs) Just get rid of Gould. There's no way on this earth Ceraldo has gone I want a team of utilities please Gus can you go get it me? I I want to make sure I've got cover in every position but none of them actually play that position. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! I'm going to do an NRL preview next week with with another lad and I think we're going to go more into detail with the Bulldogs because they are yeah. an absolute, they should be like a social experiment. They are a social experiment. You should like they have are. to study them at university yeah, yeah. And
1: go. <laughs> One of my closest friends is a Bulldogs fan. So I've seen like what supporting the Bulldogs does to a human.
0: <laughs> it's not good. I feel sorry for the likes of like James Graham that like at the time had to move to the Dragons yeah. in order for them to yeah. to sign on who was it? He he left in order for them to Aaron give Wood? someone an ex- Yeah, Aaron Woods. <laughs> and he and he left in order to have them go like, Oh no, 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 you give him you keep him and I'll leave because 'cause I'm coming towards the end of my career. <laughs> They ruined like, Luke Thompson. Like, yeah, they ruined him. He came over being one of the best props in England, well, the best prop in I, England. I wanted And it was like, and they crippled him. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully, he continues that for Wigan, because <laughs> fuck you, Luke Thompson. Is <laughs> it? Nah, I'm joking because like Luke Thompson's a weird one where he kind of. I don't blame him for going Wigan. Like, the money they offered was absolutely friggin' ridiculous. Like, to put it in perspective, Hulk AR offered him a million for three years. Yeah. So, the fact they've offered him more than that for four years, like, with your injury record, you're going to go and take that money. Well, 100%. Saints offered yeah. him a contract that was nowhere near. Yeah. nowhere near that value, and they just went, look, we're not even going to get close to it. So just, yeah. like, because our priority was always going to be to offer that third marquee spot to Jack Wellsby. They went yeah, and right. done it, and they tied him right. down. Right. Because he was a priority. Like, we don't really yeah. need a forward, so it's like, yeah. why? And um, yeah, like, him missing the World Cup challenge is big for William. Like, I, I can't stress that enough because yeah. if he's fit and firing, he is a game changer. You yeah. seen it for the Sydney Roosters game where he scored first at mm. eighty to one he was, and I had a fiver on it, so I was buzzing. Um, he got me the first try, and I still say in that Sydney Roosters game, if Tommy Mac catches the pass before they go up the other end and score, we win that game. Like it was
1: close, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. It was 2012. Yeah. With the score. Yeah. But um, but like there's a I think it was 12 14 and oh it was all level and uh, Wellsby throws a pass to Tommy because Coop missed out on that game um, and yeah. and the pass is like he gets it in his hands and he just just misses it about 15 yards out and he scores the try and and if he scores it but then the next set they get a penalty went up the other end and scored. So it was like yeah. that was it, game over. I still say we win that game. So Luke Thompson is massive loss and they'll probably end up playing Liam Byrne starting with um Mago. Former uh, yeah, yeah uh former NRL player. Yeah, he, he scored, scored last run. week. Yeah, yeah. Um in in a bog, but his, his sort yeah. of attributes yeah. fit it was the ball was on the ground. Yeah. yeah so he yeah, yeah. On it, he yeah. kind of he can he, he kind of fits um the old style prop, so to say, and yeah. just bang straight down the middle. So it'll probably be them two starting. I could see. Um, them two against Fisher Harrison, Fisher Harris and Leota should not stand a chance on paper. Um, yeah. And even the the only Mitch Kenny is potentially the weak link for Wiggins target. Um, I say that mm. not in a bad way. Yeah. Just because out of that forward pack, oh,
1: yeah, he's he's the he's the, the, he's the
0: weak link, but at yeah. the same time he tackles everything and anything. So yeah. it's not like he's a he's he's still a very good player, but he's the weakling in that forward pack, which sums up how yeah. good that forward pack is. Like when he went off with his HIA and Cogger came on, that was probably another game changing moment last year. Yeah. Um losing out on that defensive effort. Mm. Um Mitch Kenny's a prop who just never grew into
1: being a prop.
0: Yeah, 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 he he's for me. Like we said it last year in our preview, he for me reminds me of Morgan Knowles. Were yeah, I don't think he. I think he because Morgan Knowles grew up a hooker that we moved to lose forward. I think if yeah. Isaiah Eo wasn't playing for Penrith, he would be a loose forward. Um, just with the, I think he's too slow at dummy half. Um, personally. He's getting better. Last year he improved drastically. With he he improved capacity. a lot, yeah. Um, because when we did this podcast a year ago on yours, I said he was he shouldn't shouldn't be the the starting hooker for Penrith. I, I just wouldn't see that. I, I couldn't see him being a full eighty minute hooker the way yeah you everything else and else and his distribution and all that sort of thing. But last year he came on leaps and bounds and and he was pivotal even in the grand final victory, so even even though I say he's a weak link, he's not <laughs> he's not, that's how good this Penrith side is, and I think for yeah. Wigan to get a miracle because I think jet lag and the preparation is the way that they win it, because on paper on paper that Wigan team isn't as good as the Saints team and on paper the bench the Penrith isn't as good as the bench that went out last year, so yeah, okay. both teams, both teams in terms of personnel, um, I think are weaker than the opponents last year, if that makes sense. That's that's even me taking my Saints hat off. Like the forward pack for winging, despite the recruitments on paper, isn't as good as a forward pack that Saints had. I think the only difference potentially is maybe saying, you know. Maybe they're outside backs because Wigan for me, the three to watch are Jake Wardle, who is superb. Um he 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 was touted when he was at Huddersfield to go in the Newcastle Knights, but ended up signing a new deal at Huddersfield. Then Ian Watson came in and was kind of fell out of favour. Um yeah. went to Warrington for half a season, then went to uh Wigan last year. Um on a transfer deal. So he's vital for them. Uh I'd also say obviously Bevan French playing at six as an attacker. As much yeah. as, you know, in the NRL he he didn't really do much in Super League. He has been really, really useful for come well, he,
1: he was playing wing and he's too small to play on the wing.
0: Yeah, but he was I still think he's a winger. Um as as influential as he is on this Wigan team. I think I would still. I'm I'm trying not. To, I'm trying to make it sound like I'm not. I'm trying to be neutral. <laughs> yeah, that, for me, he was he was on put on ridiculous money when he signed this new deal at Wigan to keep him away from Gold Coast that were after him and to keep him away from. I believe it was the Bulldogs at the time that were also sniffing around and yeah. the Dragons. Um. So they put him on mega money, but they were still playing him on the wing. So for the money he was on, he had to play somewhere else. But they had Jai Field at fullback, so they couldn't really find where to put him. So they slotted him in at six, and he's done all right for them. One man of steel for them. Um, Yeah. Which I still think Wellsby should have won, but that's just me genuinely being biased. He did have an outstanding season. Um, And it's kind of one of them where, where... Penrith have to watch out for him and his ability, and now Harry Smith is playing. I think Harry Smith is key, just because he can let Bevan French do his things, and he can just sit yeah. back and do the kicking game, and do everything else. Kind of like what Lewis Dodd was doing last year, just like Lomax and Sirenen you know, second row we just kind of do uh, Lomax, Wells, being Syrnan, just letting them free link up, and just I'll yeah. sit back and do the kicking game. And I think I think that is. That is the way that um, Wigan, Wigan somehow get a victory. So, I don't know if you want to add on any players that you've seen for Wigan Well, anything else. Well, I my main two
1: that I had in my head the whole time, yeah, were Beth and French and Jay Field. Just, they do seem like players who in the NRL, everyone knew were really talented. And everyone wanted them, but... No one knew what to do with them. And it almost feels like, yeah, they've found their home over Yeah. in Wigan. Um, is Kate Cust still there?
0: No, he's at Salford. They got rid of him.
1: Ah, because Kate yeah. Cust was another one similar to that, where every Manly fan wanted him in the team every week. But yeah. But could never quite fit him in there. Okay, that's interesting. Um. Yeah, they're two players who I think, I mean, I know well enough to know what they're not good at. But I know that they both have what is quite an incredible upside when the ball bounces for them. Um, And you look at what Rhys Walsh and Ezra Mann did to Penrith in the grand final. If anyone's going to do that, it's going to be those two.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about the ball bouncing right for them because twenty twenty grand final it didn't bounce right for Bevan be French. Then, I, was gonna, I was gonna
1: say that <laughs> Bevan French should play fullback just for that moment again.
0: But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's funny though because like he will that that try goes down in Super League and potentially so
1: Rugby fun. League Grand
0: Final history, and yeah. it's just the fact that the way the ball bounces and his facial reactions and everything, it was just like... And then it zooms in on Luluai, who just is sat there like, distraught. (laughs) And it's just one of the greatest grand final moments of all time on both hemispheres.
1: I would have felt really bad for him if he didn't play for power when he was in
0: Australia. (laughs) It's funny though, because like you, you we talk about like, you know, that COVID final and what it would be like to have fans there, but at the same time it would have been played at Old Trafford and we might not have had yeah. that moment because yeah. the in goals yeah. would have been so short. Yeah. So we might what not have, have had that the, moment. So it's it's yeah. one of them. It's like the fact that it was played there at Hull with no fans made that final mm. the way it was because we may not have had it because the in goal was so short. Have.
1: He might have rolled down the hill,
0: maybe, but Yeah, he might have died. <laughs> yeah. Well, like there's there's no roll off there. So And finally we've got to finish off this podcast. It's been a wonderful one. But we can't go without your predictions. Who are your what's your A, your score line? B um first try scorer. I want I want betting tips as well. And your try any times. Who who do you think? Who 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 do you think? Go on. We'll we'll go from a perspective.
1: I think Penrith will win. Oof. Uh, twenty two to ten. Um.
0: Oh, so and... you think? Think similar to the Roosters scoreline back in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah. I think Penrith's attack won't quite be, you know, fire due to the reasonable of like standard and stuff like that playing on a pitch that none of them have really played on at least since the World Cup. Um, and even then, it was a completely different time of year. Um, but I think their defence can always be relied upon. It's very rare that Penrith allow two tries, well, more than two tries against them. Yeah. So I think I think we can keep them to two tries and I think we can outscore them. I've gone yet yeah, 22 just because I think we will be slightly limited in that way, especially with a new halves combination at what's admittedly a limited hooker and a limited fullback who are just both competitors. Um, I think first try scorer will be... Who's going to play the left wing? Sunia Taruva. And mm-hmm. any time... I will say, let's go, let's go be crazy with it. I'm going to, Jack Cole, why not?
0: Jack Cole, the young lad. Yeah. The young lad on, yep. on he's really gonna, his big, on his big game debut.
1: Yeah. He's going to show the world what he can do. Cause that NRL game that he played was the one where Penrith rested 16 players or something like that.
0: Yeah. Where
1: Mitch Kenny was captain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with a Penrith win. I think they get over the line. I'm gonna go with Wigan 14. I think they'll kick a penalty. Um yeah. and I will go Penrith 26. I will go Wigan 14, Penrith 26. I will go first try score at Liam Martin, as I said before. And my try anytime will be Scott Sorensen, because Scott Sorensen went on a little roll at the end of last year, and I think I think that is going to be that is the predictions of the World Cup Challenge. I hope you have enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure to record with you, Jack. I hope you. I hope it's been the same for you. It's been good to be back. How exciting! Footy's back.
1: Love chatting with
0: you about footy, anyway season's back and it's good that we're on the same side for once isn't it jack we both want to see wigan lose so i'm sorry for the wigan fans if you have listened to this and you thought it was going to be a little bit more neutral i have tried my best um but at the end of the day it's tribal out here i will be at the game please don't kill me i have been your host johnny lou this has been the ramblings of a saint podcast and i will catch you next time thank you